This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Practical spirituality here in the holy city of Jerusalem at Asia Torah, overlooking the Temple Mount. Today we're discussing our third installation of the subject of how do we find our special purpose. So just to review a little bit, to catch you all back up to speed, find your special purpose, because I think everyone wants to know their special purpose, because then you don't have to be afraid of death of dying you don't have to be afraid of dying people who are afraid of dying generally don't know what the hell they're doing here and so they're just so scared of dying before they figured it out whereas people who do know what they're doing here and are busy doing it well you're doing good and so when the time expires you're all set yeah because it's time to go yeah you you lived with purpose you lived with purpose and you moved on you know, and then you're you're just kind of ready to go. And it also is very relaxing to know when you're doing, if you're doing your purpose, you know that feeling where you're not sure you're supposed to be doing what you're doing? So if you actually are living your purpose, you don't have to have that feeling. You're definitely doing what you're doing. And the other thing, you never have to worry about money ever again. Because if you're doing your special purpose, well, you know, money's God's problem at this point. Right? And you're, you're doing what you were brought here to do. So whether you're whether you got a bunch of money, you don't have so much money, you ain't got no money, it doesn't really matter because you, you're doing what you came here to do and, you know, you'll make good with what you got and things are going to go well for you in general. And also, things go well in general anyway when you're in the zone, in life. You know, if you if you got to, like, convince someone of something and you're in your zone, it's much more likely they're going to say yes. If you're negotiating a salary and you're in the zone, you're much more likely going to get the salary you negotiated. So it puts you in the zone to live your purpose. You're in the zone all the time. And majority of people don't know their special purpose, and that is because of, and I'll just review it real quick. Well, let's see if you students who've been here all week can tell me why most people have no idea what their special purpose is. Come on, come on. Self-image, thank you very much. We got a star student over here. You get, uh, I don't know what you get. You get double recess. <laughs> okay, so number one is self-image. Gotta get rid of that. Okay? Why do you gotta get rid of self-image? Because of the fear of... Fear of... Rejection and failure. Failure, right? Your self-image has caused you to be vigilant constantly of protecting your self-image. No one should poke a hole in it. Well, if you know your special purpose, now you got to go do it. Well, who says everyone's going to like that? And the answer is not everyone's going to like that. And the, the scary thing and the sad thing is, the closer they are to you, the more it bothers them. You'll notice when you find your special purpose. Closer people are to you, the more it bothers them. Why can't you just be normal? Why you can't just like be a capitalist like the rest of us? You know, like you gotta, you gotta just go be Mister Ideal Idealism. <laughs> and it's gonna fail many times because if it's worth anything, if it's worth anything, there's got to be some level of risk. If it's worth something. And you're going to risk and you're going to fail and you're going to risk and fail and risk and fail and risk and fail until you win, until you make it, until you're succeeding. Okay? So that's number one. Number two 
is once you get rid of self-image, you wind up with this amazing place called being who? No one. No one. No one's lots of fun, because when you are no one, you can be anyone. anyone. And therefore, you're, you're, uh, this is what we call, you win the Gumby Award. You get to be Gumby. Okay? And it's fun to be Gumby. Okay? Gumby is just a ball of clay. He was once a little green ball of clay. Gumby, let's all see what Gumby can do today. Gumby, yeah, so, so <laughs> you get to be Gumby, and it's so fun to be Gumby. I mean, I, I do crazy stuff all the time, man. I, I'm in the shook and see some old lady needs a little help, so I help her, and then I find someone crying, and I'm a psychologist, and then, and then I find someone who's, like, looking a little lonely behind a bar, and I'm like, okay, I'll be his drinking buddy, you know, and I'm like, Gumby, here's Gumby, and then, and then I get home, and one of my kids is looking like someone might have, you know, upset her at school, and so I'm like this super loving, you know. Gumby certainly can be a man, you know. And so, I, I'm Gumby, you know. <laughs> so, Gumby is a blast, you know. So, so, that's the first step is being Gumby. Okay, number two is uh, once you get rid of self-image, you get to be Gumby. And Gumby's so fun. Okay, it's fun to be Gumby. <laughs> and the next is, uh, the next is you're natural. What? We can answer. Come on. Come on. Natural I don't think you were here for that one. Natural love. I'm going to start writing it. Excellent. Who nailed that? Your natural personality. I like the way that S came out. So, so your natural personality, which none of us even know anymore. You know, I've been doing my best to like strip down like all of the fake personality I am. And just get down to like who was that amazing like nuclear power plant of like energy, which was this two-year-old Yom Tov. You know, when I was a little two-year-old, I mean, I was probably like an absolute terror. You know, I mean, I was really, really pushed pushed the limits of every possible thing. But I was very loving, and I, you know, it's interesting today. I'm very loving, and I'm pushing the limits. You get that right? Like, is it? As an orthodox rabbi, which I consider a swear word, but as an orthodox rabbi, I'm pushing limits like it's. F I'm basically pushing until it pushes back, and so far it hasn't pushed back much. You know, once in a while it pushes back. What do you mean pushing limits? I push limits. What, what are they? Meaning the only rules I keep are shulchan aruch. <laughs> Traffic laws, forget about it. I told you the story of the speeding, you know. The, so I just don't keep any rules, basically, except for obviously Shulchan Aruch. Yeah, I keep the rules of the Torah. And, uh, and regarding civil law, I, I do like just to sleep at night. I actually am straight with money. What? Straight with money. Straight with money. Everything's on the books. I play on the books. So what laws do you push? Oh, I push every other law. Don't worry. Yeah, I don't want to go into details. You have the right to remain But if, if it says it in the Torah, I keep it. You know? If it don't say in the Torah, I break it. Yeah. <laughs> Except for money, money. Because you got to sleep at night. You know, we all think we can make more somehow by, you know. Yeah, and 
Not worth it. Not worth it. And you, you know what? You make a lot more when you're in the vibrational energy of clean. You make more. Why? Because you're not hiding anything, and you're not nervous, and you're not. You can properly mark, properly market yourself in the world. You know, you don't want to play that game where you don't want to get too big because you don't want to get too noticed. Don't play that game. Go really big and feel clean inside about yourself, and 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 just you don't risk your because you you. you know, you don't need to risk that. Don't risk that and wind up playing small because people get your small playing. People get that vibration. They'd rather play with someone who play, likes to play big. So go above the table, take the hit from the taxes, and, and play big in your life and be happy about it. And not to mention, I, I, I mean, I don't know how people feel about paying taxes in America, but when you're paying taxes in Israel, you know, okay, besides like, you know, female soldiers getting abortions on your dollar. That's not, I don't like that, but, but there's a lot of good things that our country does. And I'm very proud to give tax money towards that. You know, I, I, want, I want my tax money going to, for example, the Israeli Defense Forces. I think that's a very worthy cause. We got something worth protecting. So why not pay taxes and help the country with, their, with the uh, Defense Forces? And, and I certainly enjoy streets and and street lamps and all those other things. Now, so anyway, there's, you've got a natural personality inside of you and that's going to be your ticket to ride. You've got to get back to the inner child, the beautiful child. If I had a guitar, I'd play the beautiful child right now. But I ain't got no guitar. Should I WhatsApp Nekomar? Anyone have Nekomar's WhatsApp? Nobody here has Nekomar's WhatsApp. You have Nekomar's WhatsApp. Q WhatsApp Nekomar, have him, uh, ask him if he's willing to bring my guitar. Which he uses every day. Say, do you mind bringing Rabbi Glazer's guitar, which you use every day? Please add, include those words. Okay? So, if he's busy, it's fine. How do you get to the natural? Natural personality. So, so I mean, this is going to sound like a shameless plug, but I can't even invite you. Um, I, I started a seminar company 17 years ago to, to strip people down to their actual selves. And... I started 17 years ago. It runs for about 24 hours, usually over four or five days, depending on the country. And uh, it's, uh, it's, I've got over 8,000 graduates, and it's really something uncanny what you can do. It's called thepossibleyou.org. What city do you live in? Flappers. <laughs> so I do run them, in I run them in Brooklyn sometimes. The Possible You. My next seminar in English is going to be Oh boy, I think it's going to be in Muncie. I do in, in Israel. I, in Israel, it's in Hebrew. Oh, you'll come to Muncie. You have a place to stay up there. So anyway, I, I run it in uh, Hebrew here in Israel. But I will have some English one for men, not for women, but for men. Yeah, here in Israel later this winter sometime, like after Shvat, after Tu B'Shvat, something like that. I think I'm running two or three for men. I'm just going to do like a roll of them, and then we're back to Hebrew. Muncie's for women, too. So, anyway, but that's, that's that work. It's called The Possible You. You might want to write it down because you can go on my website, thepossibleyou.org, and watch, watch little mini video, uh, mini and maxi. There's, a, there's an hour and 50-minute one that's got, like, close to 10,000 views. That's, like, I mean, just insane. It's just pretty crazy to watch that. It's, it's just watching that's pretty transformative. transformative. What? The possibly.org. Okay, moving on. 
is the next thing you have is what do we call kochos and nefesh uh, Your natural. We'll call it. Oh, we have natural personality. We'll stick with the word natural. Your natural strengths. How's that? Your natural strengths. People actually have natural strengths. They have natural strengths. My natural strength is speech. Speech. Uh, my my brain isn't great at thinking. My hands are terrible at building. My my feet are like I'm not clumsy, but I'm not great on my feet. Um, I can't build anything. You know, I I just don't do any of that stuff. It's a miracle I play guitar. You know, but the but my my I have a natural strength in my mouth, and I'm using it all the time, much to some people's chagrin. My favorite place to eat is up a hop strummy sandwich at the beer bazaar. But if I ever try to convince you that we should meet there, you'll, you'll be meeting with me and all of my best friends, which is every stranger there. <laughs> They're my instant best friends every time I'm in the beer bazaar. So <laughs> last night, my wife and I have a date night every Wednesday night. So she's like, she's like, uh, so I'm like, I mean, I would never normally ask a wife where you want to go. You never ask your wife where you want to go. I mean, that's just like, you just ruined your date right there. Okay. She wants her knight in shining armor to sweep her off her feet. But how many men, you know, today's millennial, you know, girly men, you know, they get in the car and they're just like, so where do you want to go? <laughs> you know, and she's just like, why don't you just take me back home? <laughs> the state's over. Yeah. To be a man. Just take me out. <laughs> so, anyway, what happened last night is it was really a question whether we were going out at all. It was almost ten, and so, and so it was like, are we really going out? And you're like, should we go out? Should we not go out? And I'm like, she's like, we well, gotta eat. And I'm like, yeah, let's go to beer bazaar. <laughs> let's go to beer bazaar. I'll get my pastrami sandwich. She's like, no, <laughs> no, not there. Anyway, we got natural. Str- we got natural. What? Oh, we went to... Uh, you're so interested? You're like a real groupie over here. I, I, you really think I take Facebook pictures of my food? Yeah. We went to Natural Choice. It's a vegan restaurant. Yeah, a real manly restaurant over there. So. <laughs> a vegan restaurant. It's like... It's a restaurant for fairies, you know. So, anyway, so we were eating there at a natural choice, and then uh, and then afterwards we got tea. And another place. Like I want a hot pastrami sandwich, man. I don't, want, I don't want to see like cashews in the middle of my curry pie, you know. And. Nobody got time for that. Yeah. So, anyway, how you doing? There's a seat for you right here. Anyway, the um, uh, I don't know why we're talking about this right now. Oh, it was you. I don't know where I ate. Um, oh, so I met the dumbest person I ever met two years ago. I mean, this guy, like this guy, if he had two brains, one would die of loneliness. There was just nothing upstairs on this guy, you know. And meanwhile, he's he's here in Asia Torah. So like we are supposed to be teaching Torah, but good luck with this guy. Yeah, 
just nothing was going in, you know, nothing going in. It was like every time you said something to him, you could hear an echo. So, anyway, so what do you do with a dumb guy in yeshiva? So, and I was shocked because I never met a dumb guy in my life. I mean, everyone I met was uniquely brilliant. And I thought maybe I met my first dumb person. So here we were, it was Sukkot holiday. And when we build my, my sukkah, the sukkah is it's large, like very large. It holds 100 people. It's freestanding. Well, now it's not so freestanding. We've, we've now kind of attached it to some fences. But, but the hard part about this sukkah, and there's only two people on earth who could attach, is the corners. The corners is like you need an engineering degree to attach these plywoods together in a way that it's going to work. And so the two people on earth so far were... Um, this guy who lives in Beit Shemesh, Ra'anan Badzin, who's a, who's a uh, uh, geologist, works for the Israeli government, a student of my information tower, another success story. And, uh, and then my son, Avraham, who's also a, like an instinctual like, genius with space and, and physical stuff. And, and that was it. But this year, Ra'anan couldn't come, and my son was not even in Jerusalem that day. And I got 20 H guys working on my sukkah. What am I going to do? Well, guess who came in and put the corners on? The, dumb, the dumbbell. <laughs> nails it. Like, nails it. And, like, get, like, looks at it. Like, thinking, wow, this is an issue. And, like, and then nails it. Puts them all together. Everyone was stunned. And, and my son comes in that night. Looks, goes right to the sukkah to see what happened. Oh, you're amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> The way I'm inspiring you to play. Yeah. <laughs> but I needed to practice at 345. No problem. No problem. What the hell, man? Is it like the, the Beatles or something? Don't, don't ever use it. I sit down. Where's the lock on this thing? No idea, man. I don't use it. came it. off? I have extras. I'll bring it in. Uh, Not in the case. Look. Take a look if there's a lock. I don't like going without a lock. <laughs> what did you just say? You can sit like him. He sits while he plays. Yes, he does. Absolutely. I'm gonna sit. What is this? Crosby steals Nash. Simon and Garfunkel. <laughs> sit while you play. I was tuning in the light of the night. Just kidding. Um, so we're gonna play the uh, we're gonna play the beautiful child. Yeah. After Purple Haze. It's the millennial version. It's the millennial version. Yeah, Jimmy Henderson. Jimmy Henderson kissed the sky. I don't know what he was thinking to kiss the sky, you know. But uh, now everyone thinks it's kiss this guy. Yeah, it's the millennial version of Purple Haze. <laughs> anyway. I just did the millennial. Yeah, I just did the millennial version of uh, Purple Haze. I said, "Kiss this guy" instead of "Kiss this guy." <laughs> All right, here we go. So we're going to talk about how to get back to your natural personality. Okay. T. Oh, it's not tuned. Okay. Wait, wait, wait! If you're going to do it, you got to do it right. You know this, right? Yeah, of course, but my phone's here, so I can move. Mm-hmm. 
I think it's in two. Anyway, um, so the guy fixes it. So my son comes back that night. My son comes back that night and he says, he says, who's the genius? He looks at my sukkah and says, who's the genius? You get what's going on here? So here I finally thought I met someone dumb. And my, my son, who's a genius, is calling him the genius. So he may not be able to learn Torah, but boy, can he put a sukkah together. Okay, ready? So we're going to the beautiful child here. You'd be smart to close your eyes right now and just dream away at the child. You can close your eyes. Go into a kind of a deep meditation on the beautiful child in you. I'll close my eyes too, except for once in a while. Maybe at all. But I won't stare at you, I promise. So see that beautiful child. Maybe you've ever seen a picture of yourself when you were two years old. So stay in touch with that. Realize that you've totally, like, dropped an atom bomb on this kid. Put the child in your arms, though, and hold that child tight. Love that child. Apologize to that child for dropping a big atom bomb on that child. By allowing yourself to believe all kinds of stuff about yourself. Every one of those thoughts about yourself. Thoughts like, I'm not good enough, or I'm not as good as someone else, or... I'm not lovable, or not wanted, not cared for, ugly, stupid, small, or weak, or worthless in some way. All those thoughts are spitting at God in his face, because he created you out of his own image. He doesn't create garbage. So everything you ever thought about yourself, and all that you believed about yourself, any of those negative thoughts, just hold it in your hands and let it go. So make a fist in both hands, hold it in your hands, all those thoughts. Put all those thoughts actually in your right fist. And put all the personality moves you made that aren't really who you are, but all those moves you made to fight and flight, to survive those thoughts, put those in your left fist. Hold that in your hands real tight right now. Tighten your fists. Hold those fists tight. Start breathing in and out through your mouth. Realize how tough that was. Yeah, in and out. Strong breathing. Everything you ever thought about yourself is in your right hand. All that you believed in this personality band-aid you created for yourself to survive those thoughts is in your left fist. And now release your hand. Take a smaller step Take a deeper breath Let your motor cool Slow down to a crawl As your defenses fall Feel your soul refuel Everything you thought Close your fists 
All that you believed about yourself. Hold it in your hands and let it go. Let your hands go. Nothing left to fear. Once you're known, there's nothing left to fear. Open to receive. Setting free the child. Sing a simple song Laugh so hard you're crying Chase a butterfly Climb a mountainside Once again you fly The person of your dreams Coming into view Nobody can take that dream away. Somebody who trusts, somebody who shares, someone like the child.
By the way, you should hear him play bass. <laughs> Whoa. You know, I played bass in Washington State for like, you know, with a band for like just three weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, three weeks ago, it was amazing. Oh my gosh! What do you think? Don't, shouldn't we have an Asia Torah rabbi band? Yes. Shouldn't we do that? For yeah. sure. Yeah. So I'll bring my electric guitar and for sure. Bring place, you'll sing. You'll put all the voices back to shame. Yeah, right. How'd you guys like the beautiful child song? It's such a nice song. So that, that song, uh, that song was actually, um, uh, there, I've trained five people to run my seminar. None of them run it. But, uh, but one of them was my oldest brother, who's a very prolific writer. And he wrote that song for the seminar. Because it's really, every line of that song is specifically uh, moves we make to get back the child, to get back to that natural child inside of us, that you know, high energy you know, place of that child. Okay, anyway, natural strengths. Here we go. Now we're moving on. And what we're moving on to is that when you grew up, um, when you grew up, lots of things went wrong. <coughs> things went wrong. Lots of things went wrong. But there were certain themes in how things went wrong for you. And for each one of us, things went wrong differently. The ways things went wrong for you caused inside of you a, a, a big lack, a need, a problem. And that problem is the one you were created to solve. God set you up in that family with those parents, with those siblings, with those situations that took place. That when all those hits you took, which you could wind up spending thousands in therapy for, but all those hits you took... If you look at them all together and you kind of add it all up, you'll notice there are themes. And they kind of, you can kind of boil them all down to one big theme that's one giant hole in your heart. And you spend the rest of your life filling that hole. That's your purpose. That's what you're here for. The reason God sets us up, not in the Garden of Eden, but rather in our parents' home, with all the stuff that went down there in school and all the other crazy stuff that happened publicly. I mean, what about kids who grew up during 9-11? I mean, that was a big day. You know, like that, that wasn't by chance that they should be growing up. And those kids who live, there are people who actually live down there. You know, and the, I mean, a lot, a lot of people living in the financial district of Manhattan, but there are some who do. And, and a kid growing up there is going to have something to champion as an older man. You know, and once he gets older and when she gets older, there, there will be certain causes. So what does it mean to have a purpose? Having a purpose means you're here to fulfill something. Well, what are you going to most likely most want to fulfill? You're going to want to fulfill things that were missing during your developmental years. Because those are holes that are... You can't fill those holes. Those are unfillable holes. And therefore, you'll have your whole life to fill it. Because you'll never, it'll never be full. So you just keep going and keep going and keep going. And you're always motivated. Um, and I'm always speaking probably more personally than I should. But, uh, but in my particular case, I had the most loving parents in the world. I mean, just incredibly loving parents, but busy. <laughs> busy loving parents, which worked out really good for me. But the, uh, just because, you know, I was kind of busy myself. So even as a kid, I was pretty busy. So I was perfectly happy having busy parents because, you know, they were busy, I was busy, everyone was busy. But the, uh, but there were ages when I was young that I believe that I could have used a little more nurturing. 
But my father was a traveling businessman, very successful businessman, started a big company and ran it for years. I mean, you, you two gentlemen, this guy in the back, and uh, these two guys in the back look like they're a little older than me. And, and this guy over here, you probably wore my father's swimwear at one point or another. He owned a company called Laguna Swimwear with two little eyes on it. You remember that? It, if you bought swimwear, you had no choice but to deal with Laguna. Because it wasn't exactly a big segment of apparel. You know, I feel like my dad was like the first person who ever made a bathing suit. You know, before him, you just cut your jeans when they wore out. You know, I mean, we're talking about the 19... late 50s, probably. And created this monster of a company. And he sold it to U.S. Industries years later. And, um, and started more companies in swimwear. Men's swimwear, thank God. <laughs> I don't know if I'd have made it here if it was women's swimwear. <laughs> That's a whole different ball game to grow up in. But I grew up in men's swimwear, which was perfect as a surfer, which meant, because you always had a surf line. You gotta, if you made swimwear, you got to have a surf line. So I always had, uh, you know, I was heavily stocked. And not to mention, when you're, when you're sponsoring surf contests in North Shore of Hawaii, well, you have to send your son to make sure all the, you know, all the, banners and stuff are in the right place, right? So that was my job. Yeah. He's like, how are the banners? And I'm like, I don't know, I'm too stoned. So, anyway. So, anyway, but they, but that was that was a great thing, having a father as a swimmer and manufacturer, growing up as a surfer. At one point in 10th grade, when they found a in the first semester, they, they, my mom got called in the office. And, uh, of course, I wasn't in school that day because the waves were like six to eight feet. But uh, so she just waited there until I finally got in because I always come in for the cheap burritos, kind of, and to make other business deals. But the anyway, so, so, I, I, so they're like, you know, they start asking about me, you know, where is he, where is he, where is he? So people are like, I think he comes around lunchtime. So my mom had to wait. I finally get on campus. Word has it I'm supposed to go to the office. I go to the office. There's my mom. She's not looking happy. They pull out an envelope filled with uh, absentee note, notes. 42 forged forge notes in one semester. And we're only halfway through the semester. 42 forged notes. Um, there's a seat right here for you. 42 forged notes. And by the time they were done, because they went through every one to see if it was her signature. She was like, no, 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 no. I mean, imagine when we got, by the time they got to 42, you know, she was like on the floor, like you, had, you needed a spatula, you know. Anyway, the, uh, no, but it was a really good year of surfing. If, if there were no waves, obviously, I would go to class, you know, around 11. So, why are we talking about this? You grew up with parents who loved you. We're busy. Blue jeans. Hard life. Even though they love you, they run around all the time. No, but how do we wind up in high school? Burritos. What? Oh, gosh. He's still on the... Child meditation, the child so um, Anyway, whatever, we'll skip that part. Yeah, let's just go back to busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, but my parents were very loving and um, very loving, but busy. So 
So all I do every single day is talk about love all day. That's all I do. I become like the world's expert in like how to help you live a life of love. That's what I do. I mean, that's basically it. And when did you love the best? In your entire life, when did you love the best? When you were a toddler. When you were a toddler, you loved the best. You, you, when you hug someone, you hug, you're like your whole body goes into them. You ever hug a toddler? I mean, you really hug. And, and you trust everybody because you just don't know what it is to be betrayed. So you just trust really everybody, which is part of the danger of toddlers. You've got to keep an eye on them because they really would trust everybody. And, they're, um, and, you, you, um, and the, obviously you can't love without trust. You're not going to put your heart out there without trust. But you, you trust everybody, so you put your heart out there. It was, it was your greatest time of love. And, um, and so I've spent my whole life on this purpose. And I mentioned this the other day, but I was, I was giving a love sermon, which is every sermon I give, but I was giving a love sermon in, in uh, Manhattan to like 200 young professionals when I realized that I had been giving that same exact sermon, you know, when I was like, you know, big hair and beads and stuff, to a bunch of hippies in Santa Barbara. And, you know, but I was preaching to the choir. And then all of a sudden I was with all these yuppies. And I realized that my whole rabbinic career, if I can be that honest, is really, I'm just really ultimately getting your ear that maybe you could live a life of love. That maybe you could get, live a life of love. So, so you're, you're, you come to, you know, hear a Torah class or you're checking me out online for Torah or whatever. You know, you want to tune in a little Torah, but you'll notice I'm, good, I'm just going to segue it back to, to loving connection. I'm always going to segue back there. I never stop. And this has everything to do with God, which is why I'm a dedicated meditator. You know, there's, I'm, I'm deep into meditation and, and Kabbalah and stuff like that because that's love and connection. You know, like, like having that loving connection with God, having that loving connection to yourself, and having that loving connection to others. And that's, that's what I'm here to do. That's my job. That's, and I'm telling you, I'm so fulfilled. I have so much love in my life. And, and I'm never done. Because everywhere I go is more people have been hurt. More people have been, you know, more people who have said being vulnerable is too dangerous. And so once you don't want to be vulnerable, well, say goodbye to love. And I believe love's your deepest need, personally. You know, they, they had... Uh, after the Holocaust, the orphans filled the orphanages because everyone hiding the orphan, orphans, wherever orphans were hidden, in the, whether it was in the forest or in Christians' homes or wherever they were, that once the war was over, they were safe. So they just sent them to the orphanages. And the orphanages packed with people, packed, sorry, with children, anywhere from infants and up, packed. And, uh, and they had to bring more beds, more water, more food, more shelter, like everything they had to bring. And... The, uh, but they were dying. The kids were getting sick and dying. They couldn't figure out why. And eventually, you know, after enough monitoring the kids, they finally realized that the quiet ones were getting sick and dying. Just the quiet ones. And they're like, hmm, that's interesting. Why are the ones screaming doing better than the ones who seem to be okay? And the answer was that the ones who were screaming were getting held. They were getting touched. They were, there was affection. Going on. There was contact. There was connection happening. because Probably because people just wanted to we were getting a headache from hearing the crying, but but they were they were at least getting touched, being held, being cared for, and and so what they learned was something fascinating. After World War II, what they learned in this in this you know unplanned experiment 
was more important than food, water, shelter, and clothing is love and connection. That's your deepest and most important need. <coughs> that is what you need more than anything else. And women are the ones who admit this. But if you go, if you peel away at a man, you'll get there too. You got to peel off some stuff because men have already given up on that because that's way too vulnerable. So they go for the counterfeit of love. Who knows the counterfeit of love? No. Counterfeit of love is attention. It's attention. Feels like love, looks like love. When you see someone getting a lot of attention in the lobby, you're like, oh, everyone loves him. You know, everyone's clapping at the rock concert. For this guy, if you'd see his biography or her biography, you'd see that they had, it's always some massive breakup in the family when they were kids. And now they happen to be particularly pretty or particularly handsome or particularly you know, good acting or good music ability or whatever they had. And that was going to be their left-hand survival, what we had in our left fist. That's going to be in their left fist. But those people always wind up choking on their own vomit at three in the morning at the, on the night of their biggest concert. And then, of course, everybody loved him. There's a great song by Joe Jackson about that called um, Tragic Story, I forget. Well, they say it's a tragic story. He just wasn't there one day. It's about that guy. (laughs) Well, he went out in a blaze of glory. Now, of course, all the fans. And you and I, you and I just fade away. Oh, yeah. Johnny was a young boy. It's funny, my English name was Johnny. With nothing much but a certain kind of look in his eye. Anyway, they love Johnny. We love Johnny. But then Johnny just conveniently died. And tell me who is to blame for the way things turned out. It's called, it's called Blaze of Glory. It's actually the, the title track of the album. Blaze of Glory. Joe Jackson, Blaze of Glory. Check out that tune. That's a good tune. And talks all about us. Because we may not be the rock star, but I promise you, all the non-real, all the, all the uh, what's the opposite of natural? Synthetic personality. All of your synthetic personality, which is literally how you know yourself. Meaning all of us are living that way. And myself too, by the way. I'm just as big a bluffer as you are. It's just, and I'm even worse. Because you, at least, if we sat down for 10 minutes, we'd see all your bluffs. And you'd admit it. Whereas I have the, I have the, the uh, convenience of running a seminar that gets rid of it. So, so right now, my bluff's all in the blind spot. Meaning, meaning, whatever bluff's I've found, I got rid of. But I got other bluffs that I don't even see right now. It is so complicated. Like, I feel like I'm close to my child and you can sense I got my child here. But I know there's more. I know there's more bluff in me. I know I still want you to like me and I still want... You know, I want people to love me and stuff. Like Instead of just realizing I'm loved, which is the truth about every one of you, is you are loved. And it's amazing how you just don't get that. And all you do is use people, because until you love yourself, all you're ready for... This one here is a powerful statement. This is going to be a rough one. Sorry about this in advance. Until you love yourself, all relationships are usury. 
you're using somebody. All relationships, you're using everyone, even your parents, siblings, everyone. That's no, notice you call this parent when that's going on with you, and you call that parent when that's going on with you, and, and you're like, all you're trying to do is just fill your holes. You know, you're like a, you're like a wiffle ball filled with holes, and, and, you're, and you're just trying to fill those holes with everybody. You're using everybody. And you, even your own parents you use. How do you stop doing it? How do you, no, it's not how you stop using them. How do you stop, how do you fill your holes? Yeah. So the way you fill your holes is um, is it's a process that has to take place. It's not so simple, unfortunately, um, but there are various ways to do it. I only I work in one of those portals. I mean, there are people in the Amazon jungle who work with this too. You know, but there you have to drink something, and you're going to be a bit out of town for the next. 10 hours but the uh, but I I don't in my work you don't have to ingest anything but you do have to give me a lot of time over four days and it takes time it takes time although little kids I've already had two people I've counseled in the last two days whose kids started believing something about herself and uh, kids are easier kids you can restory pretty quick but uh, adults not so simple okay um, anyway, but the, you need that problem. So everyone, I want you to take a moment and think about your problem. What is your theme? What, is, what bothers you? Anyone here willing to raise their hand and uh, share? with What do you think your problem? You've got to think about it. What was missing? Because you can fulfill that for this world. And you'll always have a purpose. You'll be on fire. You're going to be on fire in your life. And, you don't, and I, you don't even have to monetize it. We spoke about this the other day. You don't have to monetize it. I monetize mine. People pay me for this. You understand? All I do is talk about love all day, and people pay me. Okay, but but you don't have to monetize your. Just make it a side thing. Create a website or donate to people who are already doing it. You know, you don't have to be the guy who does it. You don't have to shake your pom poms. Okay, but uh, but I, it's a hell of a lot more fun to be the guy championing the cause, and and then you get to all the stuff we spoke about in the intro. You get all those nice things. You don't have to worry about money ever again, and. To just be in your be in your purpose, it's fun to be the one who champions it. It's great. I mean, you're totally off the hook for anything else because God's in charge now. You know, because you you you're you're spending full time on what you came here for. There's nothing wrong with making a bunch of money though and having jet skis and you know and a couple ATVs and all that stuff and just donate to someone who does it. You know, that's cool too. You'll feel fulfilled. All right. So who's willing to share? Yeah, you got yours? You know what was always missing? Um, this was I'm always, filming. What? This, I don't know if this was always, because it was only for a period of like next two to three years, but it was intense during then. Yeah. Um, so what's the hole in your heart? It was mostly that uh, I felt defenseless to stop, let's say, certain bullying that was happening to me. Okay, excellent, excellent. Okay, great. And that comes with a pretty obvious cause. And that's benevolence amongst people. That people should be benevolent with each other. Not malevolent, malevolent, but benevolent. Okay? People should be good to each other. And that's an amazing cause. Okay? The truth is, I'm not even sure it was his fault because he, he also had had a pretty crappy time in school. Well, people, people generally wound where they're wounded. So you, your, your job isn't to forgive. I mean, you should forgive him, but that's not the job right now. The job right now is to realize where you're, what you're missing and get it, get it together. Lucian, what you got? Um, 
my father wasn't around so much, so it was a uh, father seeking uh, approval from like a, a male figure. Uh huh. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Very good. So, so how you would apply all this stuff? You know, meaning the the no one and the you know being that Gumby and the natural yeah. personality. You got to get to all that and right. figure out your natural strengths and then apply them to how you can be there. You know, for people. How you can be there or, or train people and the importance of being there for, for one another when it comes to, um, from when it comes to that, that father figure and all that it means, which includes approval, but many other things, yeah. not just approval. Yeah. There's many things that a father represents for a child. Okay? It's guidance mostly. Right. I think a father is even more important for guidance than approval. Yeah. Mentorship. You know? Many people feel lost without a father, right. you know, which can be a good thing if you're suddenly find yourself in Israel and learning Torah. You know, you may not have made it here because you wouldn't have had that that kind of lack of a compass. Yeah, you know. So it's got it's it's got God knows what He's doing. There's no mistakes. Okay, uh, one more person want to share? Yeah, please. Security. Security. You didn't feel so secure. Okay, excellent. So you like safety wise. Safety. I understand. Physical security. So great. You can run a security firm or something. <laughs> know to shoot a gun. I'm just kidding about running a security firm, but but you but there's certainly plenty plenty to contribute in the world for that in uh, in the way of security i mean that's that's a huge thing and you can even get even more creative and talk about trust because trust is um if you think about the the thing that really is so painful about a lack of security is you can't really relax right and so how do you even relax into a relationship see i'm going back to love but how do you relax into a relationship if you can't trust or but how do you maybe your thing is all about maybe all your thing is all about um it could be your thing is all about um, creating a safe environment, you know, that's not paranoid because it can lend to paranoia. So you got to maybe your thing is about creating a safe environment in the world, which may even be the way people feel at a Thanksgiving table or a Pesach Seder. So, OK, very good. Um, that's today's class. Thank you very much for checking in. But one last thing. The rabbi in the back does the great mitzvah of feeding a family every Shabbos from this Thursday class. So anyone who wants to um, please help, the uh, if you give something that jingles, it uh, will buy Pringles. But if you have something that folds, it will buy something that, if left alone, eventually molds. So please, um, please uh, go for the fish and the meat version. And you got your mitzvah of feeding a family for Shabbos. And thank you very much, Rabbi, for being that messenger. Okay, shalom everybody. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.